Malambang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Alright, hello Victory Family! Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. And for those of you watching online, we'd like to greet uh, every dad. Happy Father's Day. You know, we, we get to celebrate this uh, special day once a year. And for the rest of the year, it's Mother's Day, okay? But, uh, you know, if you are a father here on site, uh, would you kindly just stand up? I know that we have a few dads here, but a lot of you are there uh, online. So we'd like to pray for you right now. I'd like to just uh, say a quick prayer. If you don't mind, uh, I'd like to ask uh, some of the dads here to stand up. I'm standing already. And so we'd like to, uh, can we just honor these fathers right now? Wow. Day of okay? Anyway, we're going to be praying right now. Father, thank you so much for our fathers uh, who are here today, fathers in our church. We thank you, Lord, for the gift that they are to our families. Lord, we're asking that you would continue to guide all of the dads, Father God. Give us wisdom. Give us, Lord God, even a heart to, uh, Lord, just protect, provide. Uh, we are priests, kings, and prophets of our own home. And I thank you, Lord God, that a, Lord, a time of refreshing would come upon every father, God. Lord, we're not perfect fathers. There's only one perfect father who is in heaven, and that's you, Father God. And Lord, I thank you that you will impart to us your DNA as fathers. And help us to take care of our families, God. And we acknowledge you as the one who's building our home. I thank you, Lord God, that every home represented today would be, uh, Lord, under your care, God. And Lord, we also lift up to you those who are in single-parent homes. I thank you, Lord God, that you are a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, God, and you take those who are lonely in families, God. And so we bless every father today. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace, for your protection, your goodness upon each home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, thank you so much. And once again, happy Father's Day for, for those of you who are watching online uh, we have, I think we have a, uh, a special event this coming Wednesday. It's uh, when kings go to war. And so we'd like to invite every father or even those who are single, uh, every man, uh, if you want to know uh, our role uh, that God has given to us, uh, that's going to be this coming Wednesday, June 23, 7 p.m. And uh, Pastor Chico will be the one uh, doing that talk uh, when kings go to war. Okay. All right, so we are on our second week of our series, Life Together. Everybody say, Life Together. For those of you watching online, can you just put it there on the comment section, Life Together. Okay, Life Together. And last week, we talked about, uh, you know, the importance of us uh, having a relationship in marriage, husband and wives, uh, how we are given a picture of uh, a spirit-empowered marriage wherein wives can actually submit uh, to their husband as to the Lord and for the husbands to love their wife and to also sacrifice, not sacrifice her, but to sacrifice for her, right? And so uh, that's, you know, definitely we are in need of the power of the Holy Spirit for us to be able to do that. And, um, you know, uh, it's very challenging uh, nowadays for us to be able to maintain Relationship, especially we're stuck at home, we're always together 24-7, but I believe the grace of God is always there uh, for us. And today we're going to be looking at another relationship uh, for, our, for our week, and so in, in, found in the home. It's between parents and children. Now, how many of you here are, you're, you are a child? You're a child. Please raise your hand. Hindi ka singaw. Someone gave birth. To you, please raise your hand. 
And for those of you watching online, appreciate your moms as well, okay? Uh, you know, we're all children of our parents. There's a mom and a dad. We came here on earth. And so this is very applicable to all of us. And for us who are currently parents, we're, you know, we're taking care of children. There's also an admonition and a command that we would like to study uh, that is given to us by the Apostle Paul. Okay, so we're continuing with our series on life together, and we are reading from Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles with you, for those of you watching at home, please open your Bible to Ephesians 6. For those of you watching here or are joining us on site, Ephesians chapter 6, I'd like to invite everybody to stand with me as we give reverence to the Word of God. You know, we always do this in church. We want to give reverence to God's Word because the Word is the final authority of our life for our conduct, our values, and our belief. That's why we, we stand at attention when we read the Word of God because we're ready to obey. All right? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for our time today as we hear your admonition and your encouragement and even your command from the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you will speak to us and bring encouragement, bring redemption, bring healing, and bring restoration in our hearts and in our homes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. For those of you at home, continue sitting down. Okay, I know that you're just sitting down there watching wherever you are. Maybe you're in your bedroom or maybe in your living room, dining room, wherever you are. So, Welcome. Thank you for joining our service today. For those of you who are watching and you don't know me, my name is Pastor Ariel. I'm one of the pastors of this congregation, uh, Victory Alabang. You know, in the book of Ephesians, we are now in the section where the Apostle Paul discusses that we are to have spirit-empowered relationship. In fact, this particular section is not to be severed or separated from chapter 5. Because, you know, in the Bible, in the, uh, you know, when, when they were writing books, when the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to the Ephesians, he wasn't writing chapters. It was the theologians who actually subdivided our, you know, this particular uh, letter of Paul, Ephesians, into six chapters. But it was one whole section. And so uh, we would come out from this particular section in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, wherein we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And each relationship has to be empowered by the Holy Spirit because we, guess what? It's hard for us to be married to the same person for many, many years without the grace of God. And every married person will hear will say, Amen. Grace the Lord, right? We need God's grace. We need the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can actually live peaceful, quiet lives. Lives in harmony, lives in faith, lives shared with hope with our spouses, our wife, our husband. Particularly with our children. Children nowadays are you know, getting complicated because they learn more. How many of you have teenagers? Sometimes teenagers would say that they know more than us, even if they don't say it. Just by the mere action, and sometimes your conversation would say that, you know, I know better because I have, you know, more information available in my hands, and so on and so forth. So, 
the Ephesians uh, letter is divided into two parts. Okay, so for for those of you, it's just a review because we had a uh, you know a, a series on Ephesians years ago, and so there's six chapters. Three chapters are what you call indicatives. Everybody say indicatives. These are like the doctrines of the letter. Okay, the Apostle Paul is writing the doctrine what we need to believe in, and the uh, final uh, three chapters, four, five, and six, talks about the imperatives. Everybody say imperatives. These are for practical living. So your first part is for doctrines. The second part is for practical livings. And so, so the Apostle Paul lays a groundwork in the first three chapters, letting us know who we are in Christ, what God has done for us, that He has saved us, He redeemed us, He washed us, he saved us. He gave us every blessing that we have in Christ and so on and so forth. That we are saved by grace uh, through faith, not by works, so that no man can boast. So that's the per- first part. And then he proceeded to the second part, which is chapter 5 to 6, talking about, you know, relationship. That we are to make every effort uh, to, to, uh, to, to live in the unity of the Spirit. Relationship between husband, wife, you know, children. Next week we're going to be talking about uh, masters and employees or it's, he referred it to uh, slaves and masters, but in the workplace. And so we know that belief drives behavior. Everybody say this, belief drives behavior. Whatever you believe in will drive the way you live. However it is that your worldview is, that's exactly how you will live out your life. You know, if I believe that I will actually fall off a high building... If I jump off because of gravity, guess what? I will put boundaries that I will not actually just jump there because it will actually change my life. I will go to heaven immediately, right? So belief drives behavior. Doctrine determines deeds. And so this is where we're coming from. The Apostle Paul is now discussing a section wherein we need to have spirit-empowered relationship. And our relationship, as I said earlier, has been tested in this pandemic. How many of you would agree with me on that? How many of you enjoy working from home? How many of you are excited to go back to work? Kids who are watching online, how many of you are excited to go back to school? You know, maybe you've been tired for one year. You know, you've been actually doing online distance learning. And so you're looking forward to having face-to-face classroom interaction again. And the home has been a tense place for the most vital relationships that God has given to us family. We've been together 24-7. You know, we're always together because, you know, especially during the ECQ. Remember those days? Now we are actually seeing a little bit of leniency. But back in the day, when we have ECQ, you can't even go out except one person to do grocery. Everybody got stuck in the home. That was a test. And today we're going to zero in on the parent and child relationship. And this particular set of verses that we have read focuses on two instructions to children and to parents, right? And so for children, the instruction of the Apostle Paul were to obey. Everybody say obey. And to honor. Obey and honor our parents. And so parents are instructed Do not exasperate or do not bring them to anger, but be careful to discipline them and instruct them in the Lord. So we're going to be looking at this right now. You know, I remember a story of a father who has five children who actually won a prize from his office, an iPhone. 
And he was excited because he wanted to give the iPhone to one of his five children. So he said, who deserves this iPhone? And so he called on his five children and he asked them, who's the most obedient to mommy? Who is always listening to mommy? Who is the one who's always doing what mommy says? And in unison, the five children says, Daddy! I guess many times, it's the, yeah, the father or the husband is the one who obeys a lot uh, when the wife speaks. But we know that the responsibility or the role of obedience really falls on the children. Obedience matters in the home. And if there's going to be order in the house, obedience has to be practiced. And in the passage, we read, it gives us two insights. And I'm just going to share two thoughts today, not three points, two points, praise God, with two sub-points each. So that's six points, right? <laughs> so first, we're going to be looking at, you know, the children that we love God, we show our love for God by honoring our parents. And parents show their love for God by discipling their children. So we're going to be looking at those two parts. What's the role of children and what's the role of parents? Very simple sermon for today, right? So let's look at the first part. Children show love for God by what? Honoring their parents. And let's first look at the first command. Okay, in verse 1, it says, Children, obey. Everybody say obey. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How many of you would say and agree with me that obedience is not easy? It's hard. I would actually raise up my hand and say obedience is hard. But you know, the, the, you know the, I think the ultimate purpose, and I believe the ultimate purpose of obedience is because God is setting authority over our lives. The reason why we need to obey is because it's an acknowledgement that there are authority figures in our life. We obey the government. We obey our parents. We obey you know, uh, the commands of God through the church. We obey uh, you know, our policies in the office, right? And so obedience is a must. And one of the, uh, you know, the, the, one of the group of, of set of people who need to obey are children. When you talk about obedience, obedience requires hearing and doing. Attentive listening and heeding to instructions. That's what obedience is all about. When the Bible says, children, obey your parents, it means that they have to listen to the voice of the parents and they have to, have to heed to the instruction of the parents. It may also mean that we may do something that we don't necessarily want to do. Right? That's what obedience means. And how many of you know that this particular passage and command of the Apostle Paul is hard? Really? Pastor, you don't know my parents. Why will I obey my parents? Let me just clarify this. When the Apostle Paul used the word children in this passage, he's not just referring to all kinds of children. There are different ages of children. And he's referring to the young children that are still living under their parents' care. So these are like the young children, kids, church age. Children, obey your parents. And how many of your children again? Your child? Please raise your hand. You're a child. All of us, right? 
So there are different stages of children. There's young children, there's adolescents, okay? Uh, adolescents, and there's uh, young adults, and there are older adults, right? Now, how many of you are part of the young adults? Please raise your hand. Those of you who are here. Nice. Totoo yan, ha? Ano bang age to young adults, Pastor Bodhi? By faith, okay? By faith. Young adults, okay? How many of you are part of the older adults? Please raise your hand. Older adults. Ako, with feelings ako, nakaraise ang hand ko talaga. Wala nang kawalan. Older adults are probably those who are out of the house, you know, those who are working, or the older adults. Okay? And so, the reason why we have to distinguish is because this admonition or command by the Apostle Paul is probably not applicable to us or older adults. Like when I got married several decades ago, I have actually said to my wife, you know, the vows, and the Bible says for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, leave his father and mother. That's the principle. Genesis 2.24 and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The obedience aspect there has been severed already. It's no longer obeying because it's not just blind obedience. It's now like influence. Let me just give up another instruction. You know, For example, if I, I go to my dad now, my dad does not tell me how to raise my kids because he respects that I also am an authority in my home. So he does not tell me what to do anymore. When my daughter, Bea, who's my eldest daughter, she's 29, when she moved out of the house, uh, and even before she moved out of the house, I gave her respect because uh, she's an adult, and we consider her as part of the decision makers in the family as well. So nowadays, but back in the day when Bea was like uh, 9, 8, I would tell her what to do. I'd tell her, this is where you'll go to school, these are like the set of friends that you would have to have. And so we would give her guidelines. But now, as an adult, I don't tell Bea what to do. I have an influence in her life. Okay? So I don't, I don't strangle her and say, obey. I don't use that scripture as a weapon and tell her to obey me. Okay? Are, are we getting it? Is this something new for us? I guess it is, right? Because sometimes we have a misunderstanding of this, and that's the reason why sometimes we react, Pastor, you don't know my parents. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul said, Obey your parents in the Lord. That we are to obey them not with a blind obedience because there are abusive parents. How many of you know that there are abusive parents nowadays? There are non-Christian parents, and if they see the Scripture, they would actually use it as a tool to abuse their children. The expectation of the children for obeying is this. For this is right. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul said, Obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. The assumption, the assumption is, the relationship between the parents and the children are life-giving. That there is care and authority over that parent and child in the family and in the home. And so, for those of you who are watching and you're still under your mom's care and your dad's care and you're living at home, 
obey your parents. Alright? Obey them in the Lord. For this is right. The question is, is the command or the rule God-pleasing and God-honoring? Now, if your parent would tell you to do something that's immoral, that's illegal, and unethical, and that will dishonor God, then obedience is not expected. How many of you know you cannot just take one scripture and rip it out of the Bible if it will actually contradict another part of the Bible? And Jesus said, if you love your mom and dad more than me, you're not worthy of me. We have to follow God over men. Ultimately, we honor God and we obey God over all. Everybody say amen. We submit to God. But yet there's a principle of order in the home. The reason why God is saying that this command is with the promise is because God wants us to honor mom and dad in the home. And as young children, we have to obey them because there's order in the home. Because as you obey God, you're obeying, as you obey your parents, you're obeying God. While it is true that some parents abuse their authority, there is also a greater danger to raise a child who grows up without limits or without boundaries. Because I appreciate the rules that were set in my life early on. You know, when, I had, when we, me and Shirley had babies, when they were still babies, or toddlers, we would put guard railings, uh, you know, right in front of the stairs so that they will not fall off. And rules, guidelines, commands from parents are like guardrails so that our children will not fall off. That's the purpose of rules. Not to stifle us, but to put boundaries in our life. And there's enough room for, me, for us to move around in that particular area so long as we don't cross the guardrail. You know, how many of you know that it's hard for us to make our children obey? For those of you who are parents, you can probably relate with this. It's hard to make a toddler obey. Don't touch the fan. Don't touch the socket. You know, whatever you say not to do, that toddler will do. Right? Don't eat the plants of the rubber tree. That's precious. No, no, just kidding. And this is the reason why parents need to discipline carefully our children. How many of you are pet lovers? Please raise your hand. You have a pet, you have a dog. And how many of you are careful to discipline Chimi? The pomi. You're careful to discipline your dog and your cat for, for Marcel. My, my daughter has a cat. You're careful to train those pups. Where to pee, where to poo, you know. You're training them, right? Let me just tell you this. Children are more valuable than dogs. But pastor, you don't know my child. My dogs obey me more than my children. That's beside the point. That's the reason why we are to be careful to discipline them. Look at verse 2. Honor. Everybody say honor. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise. Wow, did you notice that? Parenthesis, question, you know, quotation mark there. The Apostle Paul is quoting from Exodus chapter 2, verse 20, the fifth commandment. This is the first commandment with a promise. Not every commandment has a promise. This is the first. 
And what was the promise? That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land that the Lord's giving to you. To honor. What do you mean by honor? To honor means to put weight onto something. You know, for those of you who are familiar with our church, right? We always say this. We honor God and we make disciples. We honor God. We, we put weight on who God is. We put so much value on God because of His character, because of who He is as a person, as a being, because of what He does for us. But yet, when you talk about honor, honor is not just a feeling. It's a choice. It does not mean, though, that you know, I'm talking about now the promise, because if you, go, if, you, if you can go back to the promise, right? What's the promise again? That you may live long in the land and that it may go well with you. That it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. It does not mean, though, that this is a 100% assurance that children would live long. It is possible that a child could die very young and that child is very obedient. Case in point, my child, my son, eight years old, he's so obedient. He's so respectful. Not so obedient as in like perfect obedience, but, you know, he loves God. He's reading his Bible, you know, at a young age, and God took him. We were singing a song earlier, He's never failed me yet. Does that mean that God has failed me in His promise? When he said that this is the first command with a promise? I mean, I actually thought about that, really, as a pastor. And then I digged in, I, sorry, I dug in deeper with the scripture. This is not a 100% like a promise, blanket promise of God. It is possible for a child who's been so obedient to die young, and it is also possible for a disobedient child who's rebellious to live long. But unfair, Lord. You know, God has His own purpose and sovereignty. But what this scripture does say is this obedience leading to long life is more of a principle and a general observation. It means that when you are obedient, guess what? Generally, you will live long. How many of you are expecting to live long? Please raise your hand right now. Lord, thank you, Lord, right? For obeying. Children who obey would most likely live longer than children who disobey, right? Sample, if you tell your child, don't run without, with scissors, and if this child obeys, guess what? He is safe. Versus someone, a child, who always runs and disobeys and always runs with scissors. How many of you know that that child who obeys is probably going to live longer than a child who runs and disobeys with scissors? General rule. You know, in the Jewish law, there was a provision on how to treat a disobedient son or daughter. For those of you watching from home, listen to this. They are stoned to death. In Deuteronomy 21, verse 18 to 21, it says, and I'd like to read this um, passage. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. Verse 20. 
And they shall say to the elders of this city, This, our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton or a drunkard. Verse 21, Then all the men of that city shall stone him to death with stones, so that you shall purge the evil from your midst. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Guess what? Back in the day, among the Jews, I think there are so little rebellion and disobedience among the children in their tribes. Can you imagine if this law is applicable in our 21st century today? Siguro nabawasan yung population natin, no? But this is applicable back in the day. Not today anymore, right? Please don't bring your child to the barangay to have him stoned to death, okay? To a Jewish person, honoring your parents is the same as honoring God. It may be hard to comprehend in our culture, especially if our parents abandon us or has been abusive to us. The Bible did not put a qualifier in order or honoring our parents. It only says, honor your parents. It didn't say, honor your parents when they are good. But it does say, obey your children, uh, children obey your parents in the Lord. But when it, talk about, when it talks about honor, guess what? The fifth commandment talks about honor your mom and dad. It didn't say, obey and honor your mom and dad. Read your Bible, okay? The command, the, the command of God in the Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother. It's a command regardless of how we were raised, how difficult it was. Pastor, you don't know that they were not there. How do we honor our parents? Why should we honor our parents? First reason, there are no perfect parents. We can still honor our parents even if they're not perfect. Our parents make and made mistakes. Especially when they're not believers. Whether big or small mistakes. Guess what? Even believing parents make mistakes. I'm a pastor already and I still make mistakes in parenting. And I will tell you, I can just be honest with you, that there has been countless of times that I actually had to approach my children and look at them straight in the eye and say, I'm sorry for hurting you. I had to humble myself and say, Daddy didn't mean what he said. Will you forgive me? Because we are all broken people. But despite the fact of our imperfection, the Bible does say, honor your parents. We're still to honor our parents. First thing we need to do to our parents, if they have offended us, is we need to forgive. Honor them by forgiving them. It is not easy. And I know that I'm actually stepping on a thin line here. But that's the Bible, Bible's command. We need the grace of God to obey this command. The power of the Holy Spirit is actually needed for us to forgive. Second reason why we need to honor our parents is because we are alive because of them. God has used them, our biological parents, to give birth to us. Psalm chapter 139, verse 13 to 16 says, You made all the delicate 
and inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. When you were in your mother's womb, God saw you and God wrote His plans for you and God has a destiny for you. God already had a plan for us even before we were born. You are not an accident. There are no accidental babies, only accidental parents. Guess what? There are no illegitimate children, only illegitimate parents. Because your parents may not have planned you, but God did. And some of you need to hear this. God planned you. No matter how you came out here in the earth, your parents may not have planned you or may not have seen that you are, you know, they may have considered you as an accident, but you are not an illegitimate child. In the eyes of God, you are His son and you are His daughter and you are highly valued. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise for that. And some of you need to hear that. Maybe some of us have not even known our parents when we were growing up because they abandoned us. Yet God has a plan for us. God saw your unformed body in your mother's womb. And He allowed for you to be born here on earth. For me, that's something that we can still use for us to honor our mom and dad. He used the set of our parents' genes and DNA in order for us to be formed. That's a pretty good reason for me to honor our parents. I asked permission from one of our pastors who's pastoring in Victory Las Piñas, Pastor Francis Villanueva, and he was sharing his story. But Pastor Francis grew up with an adoptive mom, and he did not even know about this until the few months before he was about to get married. Belle, his wife now, his fiancée then, was wondering, you know, how come Francis does not look like his mom? And so there was an inquiry lang. Parang ganun lang. Parang ito sa, ano kaya? Would it be? And so there was a search. Parang search for talent. Parang ganun. No? But they actually looked for his. And he, Pastor Francis became open to the idea of, let's search. Maybe I am. And he asked his Adopted. And true enough, he was adopted. And so they searched. They finally found his mom and they found his dad. They're separated for many years. Apparently, he was given to his adoptive mom before he was born, after he was born. And he was raised up by that mom. And that's the mom that he knew as his mom. What's interesting was he reached out to his parents. And he invited them to be part of his wedding. He finally met them just a couple of three, uh, months before he got married. First he met his mom and eventually he met his biological father. On the day of his wedding, he honored three people in his life. His adoptive mom, he honored his biological mom, and he honored his biological father. Children, obey. I honor your parents in the Lord. And I asked Pastor Francis, how are you now? He said, you know, I'm close to my mom. So for some reason, you know, I, you know we're, we have a relationship with my biological mom right now. 
My biological dad, though, has a family of his own, but he does not cease to honor him by forgiving him. Second insight from the, the passage, let's move on. Parents show love for God by or discipling their children. You know, parents, for those of you who are watching online, parents, especially fathers, we are ultimately responsible to disciple our children, not the teachers, not the youth pastors, not our yayas, not our lolo or wo-wo or however you call it, uh, lolo dad or whatever. It's us. Verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. Fathers, happy Father's Day. Babaunto. Do not exasperate your children. That's one of the you know, uh, uh, encouragement, or sorry, uh, command of the Apostle Paul. To exasperate is to agitate, to annoy, to embitter, to enrage, to kasarin. You're putting in so much hatred in the heart of a child, it's to exasperate. And Paul started talking to the fathers with a negative command. Do not. Do not embitter your children. Do not exasperate your children. Do you know that there's a possibility for a parent to inflict pain and hurt to our children? As I, as I said this earlier, whether we're Christians or non-Christian, for different reasons, it may be because of neglect, it may be because of absenteeism, it may be because of verbal or physical abuse, you know, maybe the parent may be too heavy-handed and there are more rules in the house than there are relationships that are formed. And you can just fill in the blank. You have your own experience. Maybe the parents are mean to their children. It may be because of broken promises. You said you're going to be there to watch, his, to watch for recital or to be in his ball game, and you never come. Broken promises. You always say something and you don't deliver. And this may actually be a settled anger in the heart of our children or resentment that has been there for a very, very long time. Another reason why children are exasperated by their parents is because of favoritism. An example in the Bible is Jacob when he gave special favor to his son Joseph. Not just by giving him a special coat with many colors, but because Joseph was just his favorite and the older brothers were enraged about this. How many of you know it's never healthy to have favorites in the house? That's why when my kids would ask me, Dad, who's your favorite? We have a safe answer. You are my favorite first daughter. You're my favorite second daughter. You're my favorite third daughter. You're my favorite son. But everybody's our favorite. Because they're all different. Do not exasperate your children, but bring them up, as I close, in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. Parenting, especially fathering, is not an easy task. And I realize that many fathers do not really give a lot of time to their children, maybe because they're busy, maybe because they're running a business, maybe because they have two jobs, or maybe because they have... Maybe because they're just selfish. Or they, they didn't realize that they have such a limited time with their children. 
But yet, you know, I, I realize also that character and example will help make up for the time lost. You know, you know, our children are watching us. But this is not an excuse, though, not to spend time with our children. Because children spell love not as L-O-V-E, but as T-I-M-E. Time. Being careful to discipline and instruct them in the Lord. You know, the problem today is not that men are domineering, but that they are too passive. And I believe that it's high time for men, fathers, to take your rightful role. As a king, a priest, a prophet in your home, be present emotionally, not just physically, because many fathers are there at home because we're stuck at home, right? But are you present emotionally for your children? Are you emotionally engaged with them? We're to continue to become students of our children. We need to learn who they are. Enjoy their season in life. Know their character. Know their different personality. And appreciate the fact that God has given us different kinds of children. If you have multiple children. To have empathy. To know where they are right now. To not just put in your agenda, but to really communicate with them. How are you? Where are you now? What are your needs? What are your dreams and ambitions? And I'm here to support you. It's tough. Parents are protectors in the home. Fathers particularly. We are providers. We are priests. We talk to God on behalf of our children. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Your kids aren't looking at what you say, but they're watching you, what you're doing. They know what you love and what your priorities are. They know if you are prioritizing money or your business. They know if your priority is NBA. They know if your priority is what, you know, biking or golf or working or whatever it is. You can't hide it from them. They're good observants. They're there with you in the home. And yet, as Christian parents, we cannot force Christ into them. We are just to merely introduce and point them to Christ. We are signposts to them. Billboards that they watch. We're also the one who speak the gospel to them. Yes, verbally, but more so physically. Our children should see us walk in humility when we make mistakes. Repentance when we sin. Grace under pressure. And give unconditional love when they fail. You know, if we actually raise up kids in this environment, as Christian parents, by the grace of God, I believe that that will draw them to Christ. Not by our own preaching or forcing them. You go to church, you wake up, you know, you, you change now. You know, everybody goes to church or we have a family devotion. More than that, that's important. We teach them how to read the Word of God. But more than that, we show them how to live it. This is a Holy Bible, not because of the words written in it, but because of how it's applied in our life, it becomes holy. We become holy. You can't pass something 
to someone if you don't have it. My question for us today is, do you have a genuine relationship with Jesus? A godly parent helps his children follow Jesus. Because he this as a life goal for us to be able to introduce them to Christ or to introduce Christ to them. Lord, give us the grace not to be a stumbling block to our kids, but to be a bridge that they see. Because I see mom and dad loving each other, honoring. Yeah, they're not perfect. They're fighting, yes. We fight, but we fix it. When I make a mistake, I repent. When I fail my kids, I go down on my knees and I say, I'm sorry. And we reconcile. That's the gospel of Christ. It's not perfection. The gospel of Jesus and the grace of God that we live with, that we live every day is in our broken homes, we see the grace of God to be restored and to be redeemed. Let's pursue our children and not just let them be. They need us. But let me just say this. We are not the Savior. Parents are not to act as if they're the Savior of the world or the Savior of the children. Christ is our Savior. As I close this sermon, maybe some of us did not grow in Christian homes and maybe you have hurts and feelings of pain and bitterness and offenses and resentment. Or maybe you grew up in Christian homes and also even our Christian parents may have caused pain and offense. Maybe as children, it is have, ah, we're having a hard time honoring our parents. All these are like complications of the structure of family nowadays. But the fact is this, we are not the solution. Jesus is our Redeemer, and He can make all things new. So I invite everyone to come to Him today, to come before Him, because He is the one who can restore and heal any broken relationship in our family. My main point before I close is this. Christ is able to bring redemption and restoration in our homes. Amen. Let's all stand up right now. I'd like to just pray for all of us. For those of you watching, I want to pray for you. Before we worship the Lord and give Him honor once again. Lord, I pray for Your grace upon every home that's engaged in this service right now. Every parent, every father, every child. I pray for a restoration of relationships in our homes, God. Holy Spirit, you are here. We just feel your presence in this place. We feel our presence in our homes. And we acknowledge, God, that you are the one who can heal. You're the repairer of broken walls. You remove dead ends and you make a doorway where there seems to be no hope. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for love. I thank you for a culture of honor to be established in our families right now. Oh God, I just pray for, for your grace to help us to forgive our parents, our mom, our dad, our children, our siblings. 
May your forgiveness flood our homes. May your grace flood our homes. May your unconditional love be released in us. We're incapable of, as broken people to love others because your word says this is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and gave His Son Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And for those of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, that is the starting point of a godly home. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now, I want to lead you, lead you into a prayer. Please follow along with me and pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I confess and I admit that I am a sinner needing a Savior. I acknowledge my brokenness and my need for you. I ask that you forgive me. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe that He is raised from the dead. Therefore, today I receive your forgiveness and I receive your eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand and a praise today? subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialamang.church.